We're continuing this morning a study of the fruit of the lips, and so this is uh, part four. And so, so far we've talked about um, the way that our lips can give God praise is, well, the, the way that our lips can give God glory is through praise, through prayer, through thanksgiving, through confession, and through preaching the gospel, which is God's mission uh, for the church. And so we talked about that uh, last week. Now, when we started kind of this mini-series, mini we launched off from this verse, uh, found in Hebrews 13, 15, it says this, Through him, when, uh, then let us uh, continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledges his name. And so we started talking about the fruit of the lips, we started talking about our speech, and the way that our words can bring God glory. And so they can bring God glory through praise, through prayer, through thanksgiving, through confession, and through preaching the gospel. But today, there's another aspect in which our, 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 our um, mouth and our lips can uh, bring God glory. And that is through encouraging one another in the faith. And so that's what we see here in Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 8. And so I'll ask you to stand out of respect for God's word. And so this is Romans chapter 1. Starting in verse 8, and it says this. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayer, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I might impart to you some spiritual gifts to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. Let's go ahead and stop there. We'll ask the Lord's blessing upon our time. Lord, as we stop this morning, and, and uh, really we, we give up our time in worship to you. And so, Lord, we have sung praises to you from our hymnals. We have given to you of, of our treasures. But now, Lord, we have an opportunity once again to bring you glory by allowing your word to change our lives. And so, Lord, we do pray that you would calm my heart, that you would help me to communicate through your spirit. Help me to be clear this morning as we talk about this idea of encouraging one another in the faith. Lord, thank you for the local church. Thank you that when we're saved, we're not left on our own to be kind of lone wolves in this world. But instead, Lord, you have given us a body of believers to encourage, to be encouraged, and to encourage others. So thank you, Lord, for Wilton Bible Church. Thank you for everyone that attends. Lord, we did focus on, on the, those who teach, but those are not the only people who play an important part here at Wilton Bible Church. And so, Lord, we thank you for each individual that serves the Lord through Wilton uh, Bible Church. Thank you for the local church which you have given to us. And again, Lord, we pray that you would use your word uh, to meet our needs today. Thank you for this passage we have before us. Thank you for Paul, who wrote to the church. Thank you for preserving your word so that we might learn from it. In Jesus' name, amen. You might be seated. 
So my first question here is, what does it mean to encourage? What does it mean to encourage? And so I, I, uh, I got online and I looked up the Cambridge Dictionary, and this is what the Cambridge Dictionary says for the word encourage. It says this, to talk or behave in a way that gives someone confidence to do something. So let me read that again, because this is what's, what is Paul's desire in, in visiting Rome, is to be encouraged and to encourage. And uh, the Cambridge Dictionary says this, to talk or behave in a way that gives someone confidence to do something. So this was Paul's desire. This is one of the desires in which he had uh, to go to Rome. He wanted to encourage those who were in Rome. And so notice again here in verse 12. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by one another's faith, both yours and mine. And so Paul was not there to simply be encouraged and, and to go away and to say, hey, praise the Lord, because remember, Paul had heard about the faith of the church there in Rome. But he wasn't going simply to be encouraged by the church. He wasn't going in, in such a way like, let's say, on vacation. And he wasn't going on vacation to simply uh, be encouraged and then leave encouraged. Instead, Paul was coming also to encourage. But also notice as, as a missionary and evangelist that he wasn't just coming to encourage them. We know that he wanted to go to sow the gospel. He wanted to go uh, to serve alongside. And so he wanted to go to be encouraged but also to encourage. And really that should be where, or that should be what happens in the local church. There should be an encouragement where we feel encouraged that we, we come together and we worship together. And sometimes even encouragement outside of, of uh, a Sunday morning. But that also that we're encouraging others. That other people feel encouraged in their, in their faith because... They have connected with us. But Paul here is not talking about the encouragement of like uh, getting together and, and uh, having dinner and maybe playing a board game. And I don't want to um, say that that type of fellowship is, is not important because I believe that type of fellowship is important. Matter of fact, our family loves uh, to have people over and to play uh, some type of board game. We love to have that type of fellowship. But there's fellowship that's more or encouragement that is more important than even gathering around food and gathering around a good game. That encouragement comes from the Lord. So that encouragement is found in, in faith. And notice again what Paul says. He says to be mutually encouraged by each other's what? Faith. And so Paul's desire is not simply that he would go and have food that he would go in and have some conversation and hear some great stories. But instead, Paul's uh, desire was that he would be encouraged by their faith and they too would be encouraged by his faith. So there's another aspect to encouragement that is outside just regular fellowship. And it has to do with faith. And so to give us kind of that idea, we want to look at an illustration of getting encouragement from the Lord. And so for that, we want to turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. So turn in your Bible, turn back to 2 Kings chapter 6. I don't know why, I don't know if it's, uh, you would think that maybe my throat would be doing better today because of the rain, but actually it feels a little drier today for some reason. And so I'll be uh, drinking some water this morning, hopefully. 
we continue. But turn to uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, and we want to start in verse 8. So notice here in verse 8 it says this, Once, when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, As such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to that place in which the man of God told him, Thus he used to warn him, so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. So what do we have here? What do we have going on here in, in 2 Kings? Well, uh, the, Syrian, uh, the Syrians are again, again at war with Israel. And so what they're doing is they're sending in raids. They're sending in little, uh, little armies, and they're trying to figure out where Israel is. They're trying to take out Israel and find the king. But here we have someone that is a really good defense for Israel, and that is this man of God. This man of God is discerning where these armies are going to strike, and he tells Israel's king before they're able to do that, and therefore he spoils these campaigns. And so who is this man of God? Well, this man of God is Elisha, not Elijah that we're used to hearing about, but this is Elisha. So Elisha was one of the prophets of Israel, and really God was using Elisha to defend Israel. And so here is this warring nation, and they're sending in these raids, and uh, God ends up uh, kind of allowing their plans to be spoiled through this prophet, Elisha. And so as you imagine, and, and so look here in verse 11. In verse 11 it says this, In the mind of the king of of uh, Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? The idea is this. Who is the traitor in our camp? And so the king of Syria, he draws a, a, a rational conclusion here. He says, every time we send out a raid, our plan ends up being spoiled. There must be a traitor in our midst. Who is the traitor? Who is part of our army that is giving information to Israel and spoiling our campaigns? And notice here in verse 12. And one of his servants said, None, my lord. That is, there is no spy. He says, None, my lord, O king. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So as he, the king, is, is organizing, as he's trying to figure out where the next raid is going to be, this second servant says, King, it's not that we have a spy in our midst. It is this Elisha, this prophet. So notice here in verse 13. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I might send and seize him. And he was told, Behold, he is in uh, Dothan. And so here, this is where this, this prophet is, is residing. And so the king takes this opportunity. Okay, I know where he is. And so notice what he does in verse 14. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servants of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, this is, this is not Elisha, but this is a servant of Elisha, all right? So when the servant of the man of the God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with its horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? And so here this servant comes out, 
He comes out thinking that it's going to be like any other day, but instead he comes out and he sees that he's surrounded. The city is surrounded, and so you imagine what is going through his head right now. We're going to be captured. We might even die. What is going to happen to us? And maybe there's this dread going through his mind, and he begins to be even maybe a little fearful. He knows that Elisha is, is a, a, a good defender, that God is using him to defend Israel. And somehow the king has found out, and uh, maybe even what the servant is thinking is, wait a second, God has told Elisha before where this raid is going, why did we not have a warning? Where was our warning? Why didn't we leave before this army got here? Maybe this, this servant is beginning to maybe doubt, maybe doubt so we see what happens next here in this very next verse in verse 16. And he said, and this is Elisha said to the servant, do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And so you can imagine now this servant is thinking to himself, ah, there's a plan that I was not, uh, I did not know about. Maybe the, the Israel army is outside of the city and they're going to come in and they're going to rescue us. Or maybe they're already within the city and I didn't see them. So maybe there's something going on behind the scenes and the king is here with an army. He is going to rescue us. And the reason why I want to point that out is because the encouragement that Elisha is sharing with his servant has nothing to do with man's ability. It has nothing to do with man's plan. It has nothing to do with man's army. This has nothing to do with the army of Israel. This has everything to do with the Lord. And so this is where we get this idea of godly encouragement. Encouragement that is found only in the Lord. And so notice what happens next here in verse 17. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he might see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And so here, this man looks out, this young man, this servant looks out, and the only thing that he sees is the problem before him. But Elijah sees, Elisha sees something greater than the problem. And what does he see? He sees that God is with him. He sees that God's army is with him. And so he asks the Lord to open up, uh, open up this servant's eyes, and God opens up his eyes, and he sees this great army. But he doesn't stop there. Notice what happens in verse 18. And when the Syrians came down against him, so they're coming down, they're about to raid, they want to take Elisha captive, and notice what happens. Elisha prays to the Lord and says, Please strike these people with blindness. And so he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And so there's, there's, a, there's, there's, there's an interesting thing that happens here. And so the servant, as he looks out, he only sees the enemy. And he begins to dread. And God opens his eyes. And he sees, hey, you know what? I am safe in the Lord. But then this other army, as they look down, they think their eyes are open, or as they go down, their eyes are open, and they're thinking, this is going to be an easy take. But then God closes their eyes, and they become blind. 
And so God ends up overcoming this enemy. And what's the end of the story? We're not going to, for the sake of time, we're not going to look at the end of the story. But what happens is Elisha actually leads them to the king of Israel. All of these blind troops from the army of Syria come to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel says, what am I to do with these? Am I to kill them all? And, and Elisha says, well, what do you do with captives? And so what do they do? They feed them. And they're kind to them. And God opens up their eyes and they send them back to the king. And um, they, the king doesn't uh, attack them again. And so really we have Elisha really showing some protection. But, but really it's the Lord. The Lord is answering Elisha's prayers. God accomplishes great things. And so this is what we're talking about. We're not just talking about encouragement because, because um, Elisha did not tell his servant, you just need to be positive. You just got to look on the bright side of life. That's not what he's doing. He's not saying, you know what, everything will be okay. Positive thinking. If we just think positive, we can get out of this. Or let's begin to plan, how do we get out of this? Instead, Elisha says, no, we trust in the Lord let me show you how. This is what we mean by encouragement in the faith. It is outside of what man can do. And I know we can encourage one another. And, and we feel encouraged when we have fellowship. But here is Paul, Paul is talking about an encouragement that really goes outside of fellowship. This is encouragement in the faith. This is encouragement that comes because of the Lord. And so really God's desire is for us to have that type of encouragement for, with one another. Because truly as Christians there are times in our life which we need encouragement. We need encouragement from the Lord. We need to be encouraged in our faith because all of us know that the Christian life is not easy. We each have our mountaintop times and we have our valley times. There are some times in our Christian life that we need someone to come alongside us and just to encourage us in our faith. Not simply to say, hey, don't worry about it, everything will be okay, but really to say everything will be okay because God is sovereign, because God is in control. Elisha could see the army, but his fellow servant, his fellow friend could not. So sometimes... When people go through challenges, they only see the trial. And for some of us, we've gone through some trial challenges in life. We've gone through some trials in life. And so we can come alongside those people and say, you can trust the Lord. Let me share with you what the Lord has done in my life. So God wants us to encourage our brothers and sisters in faith. But maybe our question today is, how? Okay, we, we know that we should. We know that we're part of a local church to encourage people, and part of a local church is, is to have fellowship, all right? And it's good to have fellowship. Uh, just seeing everyone out in the foyer uh, with all of their uh, little snacks and their coffees and all of that, that's great. We should have that, that, that uh, fellowship. But how do we really encourage people in the faith? That's another question. How do we encourage people in the faith? And so today what we want to do is, is we want to answer that question, how can we encourage people using our lips, using our actions, so that they might be more confident in continuing to move forward in their faith 
And so we want to see three ways that we can encourage our fellow Christians in their faith. And the very first thing I want to point out is simply personal faith. Simply allow people to see your faith in your life. Just living out our faith before others can encourage them in their faith. And, and, and we know what this, this means. Have you ever come across someone that seems to be just a genuine Christian? And when you walk away from that conversation of, of talking to them, you just feel encouraged in your heart. And then there's some times where maybe we have conversations with people that don't seem to be very genuine. And our heart is not encouraged as, as we walk away. Let me, let me share with you, this, this happened years ago. Um, before I was ever here at Wilton uh, Bible Church, I was eating with a co-worker and we were at, at Taco Bell. And um, we were sitting down having our Taco Bell uh, lunch. And uh, we, I, I, we, I prayed for us. We uh, bowed our heads and we prayed for, for our food like we normally do. And uh, we began to have lunch. And we didn't realize, but there was this couple that was a couple tables down from us that happened to be watching us. And so as they began to dump their food and leave, they came up to our table. And they said, we just want to thank you. And so I was, I was surprised. What am I being thankful for? I don't think I've done anything. And they said, thank you for praying for your food. It reminds me that I have the freedom also to pray publicly. Now, I didn't realize, and it was, normally, it was something I would normally do, stop in a restaurant and pray. But what I didn't realize was that there was someone watching me and that my faith encouraged their faith. Matter of fact, this happened with me and my uh, girls yesterday. And so uh, my, my wife had a, a ladies, um, uh, ladies liter- leadership meeting. They're going through a, a ladies leadership book, doing some disciple with one another. And, and so me and my girls, we went out to IHOP. It was either Chick-fil-A or IHOP. And I love Chick-fil-A breakfast, but we went to IHOP instead. And and so uh, the food came, and, and the, the, the waiter walked away, and so we bowed our head, and we began to pray. And then I heard the waiter's uh, voice again. And so I continued to pray, and when I opened up my eyes, he was standing there with a handful of napkins, because it's all I had three girls. And so um, I said, oh, sorry about that. And this was his reply. Oh, don't worry about it. I wish I saw that more often. And so simply living out our faith in front of others can encourage people in their faith. And so let me tell you, don't underestimate what just living a Christian life can do before our church and before our community. Just living out a genuine Christian life. And so Paul puts, Paul notices the faith there in in Rome, and so notice again here in verse 8, this is Romans 1, 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. One of the reasons why Paul was so encouraged by the Christians in Rome was because their faith was heard. It wasn't just isolated. They weren't within kind of the walls of the church and they were very secretive. No, their faith was being heard in Rome, but not only in Rome. Their faith was being heard outside of Rome. They were living their faith in front of others, 
And that encouraged Paul. Paul is encouraged by their testimony. And so as we think about that personal faith, we ought to live our faith out before others. This last week, um, we finished our last week with our with our uh, staff. It was a really busy week for our uh, church staff and our school staff. And uh, last couple of weeks, I was telling my wife, and I don't know if you school staff feel the same way, but I feel exhausted after these last two weeks. Uh, but uh, the, the, this last week was about uh, lots of meetings with the teachers, and, and it, was, it was one of those meetings like, okay, what did we do well this last year, and what do we need to improve on? And so that can be... Um, uh, encouraging and discouraging at the same time to see our wins and our things that we could uh, work on for next year. But what I want to point out is how we ended off the year. And so Thursday was the last day that we got together, and, and so uh, April uh, led that last meeting, and, and so she asked us two questions, and she had us think about these two questions. Question number one, why are you serving the Lord here at Wilton Christian School? And number two, in what ways have you seen God's hand upon our ministry this last year? And just to hear the teachers go around and talk about why they're here and, and what God had did in their life prior to Wilton Christian School and how he had brought them to Wilton Christian School and then talk about just the blessings that we saw this last year and encouraged my heart and encouraged those teachers' hearts. Those teachers were watching those students, and, and some of them talked about, oh, this student, he was a real struggle, and, and when he first came, he didn't really want anything to do with the Lord. But then I started to see him read his Bible. I started seeing him write down prayers, and he started to grow. Others talked about students in their class that got saved this last year, that made a decision, a life-changing decision, for the first time, they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Their faith encouraged those teachers. And as the teachers talked about that, it encouraged my faith as well. And so I don't, I, as I communicate this, and, and we might think this is just such an easy point, living out, their fa- living out our personal faith before others, but don't take that for granted. It is so important within our church just live a genuine faith within these walls and outside these walls in our community. Just be a Christian. And you'll be surprised how you can encourage those around you. And that's really something that we can all do. So as we think about how do we encourage others in the faith, just live out your faith. Paul was encouraged by the church in Rome. They were living out their faith, and their faith was known not only in Rome but proclaimed in all the world. The second way that we can encourage others in their faith is through prayer, is through prayer. And I know we've covered an an aspect of prayer already, but what we want to do is cover this in the idea of of encouraging one another. And so notice here in verse 9, For God is my witness, this is Paul speaking, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayer. Paul's talking about like you're constantly on my mind, Christians in Rome, and I'm constantly praying for you, asking that somehow by God's will I may now last succeed in coming to you. So it was Paul's desire that he go and visit Rome. Did, Did Paul ever make it to Rome? 
He did, just not the way that he thought he would. And so he didn't go as a free man, but he did go to Rome, and he was able to encourage uh, those in Rome. He just wasn't free. But his prayer was really not, not simply that he would be able to go and visit, but that those Christians in Rome would mature in their faith, that God would protect them from false doctrine, and lastly, one day that he'd be able to alert, uh, serve alongside them. Remember Elisha's servant? He could only see the problem before him. He could only see the enemies. And Elisha prayed for him. Remember? And Elisha prayed and said, O oh Lord, please open his eyes that he might see. And the Lord opened his, the eyes of the young man. And so... As we think about encouraging one another, one of the greatest ways that we could encourage, one of the greatest ways that we can encourage one another is simply by faithfully praying for people in our church. And you don't even have to know what you're praying about. But let me give you some, some ideas, all right? How do I pray for the people here at Wilton Bible Church? Well, in our bulletin, I don't have a bulletin um, here at, with me, but in our bulletin, we list prayer requests, okay? That's a great way. Either to seek prayer, we send a prayer request to prayerchain at wiltonbible.com, and you can get some prayer, but also to pray for those things. What's another way I can, I can pray for the people at Wilton Bible Church? Well, normally on Sunday nights, not this Sunday night because we're having a vacation Bible school meeting, but normally on Sunday nights, we share our, our prayer requests. So we have a small group here. We share our prayer requests, and, and we pray for one another. Say, well, I can't, maybe I, I, I have something else going on. I can't attend Sunday night. Uh, but I do, maybe I, I already pray for the things through the sheet. Here's another creative way. Just take the church directory and pray through the church directory. Maybe pick some names and say, you know what? On, on the first, I'm always going to pray for these people. And on the second, I'm always going to pray for these people. Maybe you're going to say, Pastor, I don't have a church directory because we haven't put out a church directory in a long time. Say, I don't have a church directory. You know what? We do put in the bulletin every week or every month, birthdays. What if you just took those lists and you put them on your calendar and you prayed for those individuals on their birthday? Lord, thank you for giving them another year of life. May this next year be even greater in their walk with you. And put that on your calendar and pray for those individuals. And if we don't have your birthday, you're not in that, in, on that bulletin. And so you'll have to be sure to give us your birthday so that we can make sure to put you in the bulletin and uh, people can pray for you. But that's a, that's a creative way. But also, let me don't underestimate the, the idea of just praying for people when God lays them on your heart. And I've had this happen for me and for others. Matter of fact... Um, uh, a couple years back now, there was, there was a, 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 he was a teenager when, when I was uh, a youth pastor at our previous church. He's not a teenager anymore. He's, he's grown, married, and has his own children. He's a, he's a man now. But he was a teenager when, when I was a youth pastor. And, and for some reason, the Lord laid him on my heart. And I didn't know why. And so I would stop and I'd pray for him. And, and I didn't think anything of it. 
And then it was like the next day, the next couple of days, he laid them on my heart again. And I stopped and I prayed for him. And, and this happened, I think, for a week or two, that God just continued to, to lay this individual on my heart. And, and I didn't know how to pray for him, and I didn't know why I was burdened to pray for him. Because I wasn't thinking about him. I was thinking about what I needed to do this next week. But for some reason, the Lord kept bringing him to mind. And so one Saturday, I, I gave him a call. I sent him a text, and, and I didn't get any reply. I, didn't, I just said, I don't know what's going on. The Lord laid you on my heart. I've been praying for you over the last week or the last couple of weeks, and I hope everything's okay. And in the next couple of weeks, he let me know he just made a really big decision. And it just happened to be that the day that I called him, the day that, that I sent him that message was the day that he was making a life-changing decision. And God had laid him on my heart. Now that's, that's one way in which God laid someone upon my heart. I didn't even know what their need was. But I've had that on the other side as well. There was a time, I don't know, uh, quite a while ago as well, and it was actually my, my grandma, my, my grandma, we called her Grandma Corky, her name's Grandma Coral, and uh, she, she called, and, and Brooke and I were coming back from a trip, and, and uh, normally she would talk to me, but she actually asked to talk to uh, Brooke, um, not that she loves me more than Brooke, but uh, she normally talks to me, and so she asked to talk with Brooke, and she said, I don't know what it is, but yesterday the Lord laid you on my heart. He wanted me to pray for you, and I prayed for you, and I don't know why is something going on. And my grandma didn't even know, but Brooke was going through a trial at that time. And you know, by hearing that, that, uh, that prayer request and that my grandma was praying for my wife, encouraged her and encouraged me, and when we shared what was happening in my wife's life, and encouraged my grandma as well. And so sometimes just, it's just a Holy Spirit thing. We don't know sometimes what we're going through, but sometimes for whatever reason we're, we're going through the week and all of a sudden one of you pops into our head. You don't have to know what you're praying about. Just stop and pray for that person. The Lord knows their needs. And so I encourage you as we think about prayer it's good to pray through lists. It's good to pray through prayer requests. But, but don't underestimate just praying for individuals as God lays them on your heart. And so as we think about encouraging one another, we can encourage others by simply living a testimony, living out our faith before others. We can encourage others by praying for others. And the third way we can encourage our fellow Christians is through partnership in ministry. Partnership in ministry. Now again, why did Paul want to go to Rome? For vacation. He heard it was a very good vacation spot, and he'd be able to like, do some touring and meet some people that he's heard about. That's not why Paul wanted to go to Rome. He, wanted, he didn't want to go for the sights. Now we might want to go to Rome for the sights and for the pictures and for the food, maybe. But that's not why Paul uh, was going. Paul was going to serve alongside, and we see this true in verse 13. So notice here in Romans 1, 13, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been 
prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. So Paul's desire there was really to go and, and to be a part and, and to encourage and really partner in ministry. You know, this next, next week, not a week from this Monday, we're going to have a lot of kids here on campus for Vacation Bible School. We're going to have a lot of workers donating their time. And let me just say, even though we call it vacation, Bible, school, there is no vacation for the workers and volunteers. It is, it's hard work. There's a lot of planning that goes into it. There's a lot of leadership that goes into it. There's a lot of studying that goes into it. There's a lot of prayer that goes into it for that week of vacation Bible school. And so even though we might call it vacation, Bible school, just know that those workers are not taking a vacation that week. They're here to serve the Lord and to serve our community. And so I encourage you to pray for them as they partner in ministry, that God's will would be accomplished. And truly, without many hands, the work cannot be accomplished because God has gifted each one of us in different ways to accomplish His will and to accomplish His work. Matter of fact, Paul says this. This comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, and he says this, For just as one body is one, or for just as the body is one, and as many members, and all the members of the body, though, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. And so what we're talking about here is we're talking about the local church. We're talking about the body of believers, and then Paul goes on to say this in verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many, all right? So what makes up the local church is not one person serving, it's many people serving. That's what ministry is. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am an ear... I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body was an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He, what? Chose. You know what that means? This, this uh, expression here that, that Paul has, that he chose, this means that you're not here by accident. When we think about our church, when we think about our local church, and we think about the people that are here right now serving, right now encouraging, right now fellowshipping, right now praising the Lord in music and in offering and, and in the time that we have in God's Word, that that is not by accident. But instead, God chose you to be a part of this church right now for a purpose. That God has a part for you to play right now within His local church. That we're not all eyes, and we're not all ears, and we're not all feet. And, and maybe you think to yourself, and, and this is what Paul is, is pointing out, that some people in the church, they thought, I am insignificant because I'm just a foot. But Paul said, we need feet. 
I'm insignificant because I'm a hand. Paul says we need hands. And so one way that we can encourage others in the faith within these walls is by playing your part in the local church. And so what is your part? I don't know. I don't know what your, your part is, but here are some, some parts of, of the body that one might play. All right, here are some functions that, that one might play, and this is not an exhaustive list. This is a very general list, but maybe you're one who gives of your time. Those people are important. Those people are the ones who volunteer. Those are the ones who spend time in prayer. Those are the ones when someone needs help, they're the first one to volunteer to help. And those are important people. And if you're one of those people, thank you. Thank you for stepping up and and playing that part to make the church a, a stronger group by serving, by volunteering. Maybe you're someone who gives of your treasures. Maybe God has put it in your heart to give over and above your tithe. And so it doesn't, it doesn't have to do with giving an amount of, of giving. It doesn't mean that, well, I can only give like $10 and so-and-so can give $1,000. And so they must have that gift of, of treasures. No, remember what Jesus Christ talked about. That, that, that widow gave how much? Two mites. That's because that was the, the, the least amount she could give. And Christ honored her because she gave all that she had. And so really some people, they're giving of their treasures, and they're giving more and above that, that, that tithe. And whenever there's a need and a missionary comes through, and even though they're tithing, they give to those missionaries. If there's a project and we're working on a project on campus, they're the first to give above their tithe. They serve the Lord with their treasures. If we need like a, a, a vehicle, they loan a vehicle. They give of their treasures. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you're someone that you can't volunteer your time because maybe you're working really hard and you just don't have a lot of time because you're working a lot. And so maybe you play that part by giving of your treasures. That's another important part of our ministry. Without generous giving, we could not have a Christian school. Without generous giving, we could not have a facility like this. There has to be people that give to the Lord. And so, don't think, well, I, I can't give of my time, so I can't play a big part. Giving of your treasures is a big part. And so, maybe you're one who can give of your time. Maybe you're one who can give of your treasures. Or maybe you're in this third category. Maybe you're someone who can give of your talents. Someone who can give of your talents. What do you mean by that? Well, that is like life experience. And there are some people in our church that give of their talents. There's, there's some that God have, has raised up, and, and they know how to work on things. And they work behind the scenes. And they're taking care of things around the church and making sure that things continue to move forward on the property. I remember when I first got here that, that we had some lights out in the auditorium and, and it seemed like every month that passed by there were a couple more lights that went out and you know what, I, don't, I never see any lights out anymore. 
because someone came through and they changed out all of these lights with LEDs and they don't burn out anymore. I remember one Sunday morning I came in and there was a light that was flickering and it was like strobing and I thought, whoa, this is going to be a crazy Sunday. But prior to the service, it just dimmed and it didn't keep flickering. There's lots of projects that happen on campus. And maybe some of you don't even notice, like I pointed out the lights. Maybe you didn't even notice that, that we haven't had any lights out for years now. It's because someone of their talents came back by and, and did something on campus. I also think about some of the music, like the harp this morning. I can't play the harp. I think it's great. I think it's beautiful. I love the sound, but I don't have the talent or the experience. So there are some people that they, they fulfill the, the, the role within the church and they give of their time. They volunteer. They're always available to help someone. Then there's those who give of their treasures. Maybe it's not the amount of money, but they give above their regular tithe to meet a need. And then maybe it's someone who has some type of talent, some life experience that God has given them and they use for the ministry. And those three things, although general, are very important to our local church. So sometimes, some of us, maybe we, we have all three of those in our life. Maybe we're someone who serves with our time, our treasures, and our talent, and that's great. And really, all of us should serve with our time, our treasures, and our talents in some way. But maybe there's one part of, of your life that just kind of rises above the rest. I encourage you to continue to use that for the Lord. And, but then on the other hand, maybe there's someone here that you're not quite serving for some reason. So maybe you're not giving of your time. Maybe you're not giving of your treasures. Maybe you're not giving of your talents. And just know this, that you're not here by accident. And that you are important to Wilton Bible Church. You're important to the ministry here. And so allow your life to be an encouragement to others by partnering with us here at Wilton Bible Church. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up. When we encourage one another in our faith, we bring God glory. Fellowship is good, and it should be part of the local church. But there should be something else more than just fellowship, which encourages others. And that should be an encouragement in faith. So how do we encourage people in our faith? Well, we live out our life before others, a genuine faith that can encourage others. We pray for others. Sometimes when we don't even know what the prayer request is, we pray for others. That can bring encouragement to those in our church and outside our church. And then we partner in the ministry. God has a designed purpose for us. When we think about designed for His glory, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Some of those good works are just serving the Lord within the body of believers and playing our part. So may we be Christians who talk or behave in ways that give others confidence to move forward in their Christian life. Again, may we be Christians who talk or behave in a way that gives others confidence to move forward in their Christian life. May we be Christians who bring God glory because we encourage our fellow Christians.
Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, your encouragement. As, as we started off this whole idea of encouragement, we know that encouragement in the faith first starts with you. That without Christ, we have, we have no hope. We, we have nothing to celebrate because we are lost in our sin. But because of your love for us, you sent your Son to die in our place, to take upon himself our sin that you give to us your righteousness, that we know one day we will come back to life. We will live in a new, fresh, resurrected body because you came back to life. And so, Lord, thank you for the promises and the encouragement that we have in you. But, Lord, help us not to take for granted the encouragement that you've given to us, but help us to encourage others and to allow others to encourage us. And so, Lord, help us to live out our faith before others. May our faith encourage Christians around us. May also our prayers encourage others around us. And may our partnership and ministry encourage others around us. Thank you for our local church. Thank you for each individual that is here. Whether they're playing a part or whether they're not, thank you for the group of believers you have brought together. May we use our time and our treasures and our talent for your benefit and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.